I hope something good happens to you today. That's my wish for you today. Well, there can be no doubt that Easter is about life. Life, more life, even more life. That's what Easter's all about. Life that Jesus provides that is abundant, it is overflowing, it is renewing, it is transforming, it is revitalizing, and it is invigorating. Could you use with a little bit of that today? Well, you're in the right place. And how appropriate that we would be looking today in this story of life. In the last gospel, the last reading, gospel reading that we have, which is known, has been come to be known as the grand finale. It's the grand finale of the gospels. It's actually the last story that's recorded in the life of Jesus. And does John do the job on it? Boy, he really pumps it with life. It sort of reminds me of the grand finale of Thunder over Louisville. Have you ever been to that? Well, I have. I've been right on the shore. And when, it, when, it's, when the finale comes and it start, those fireworks start going off, the ground shakes. You know, that's how great it is. Sort of kaboom kind of thing. And the ground shakes. And that's the kind of finale that we see today in this story. There's so much life in this story that we can hardly take all of it in. That's sort of like what we heard in the psalm today. Why did we hear the psalmist say? You, Lord, change my mourning into dancing. Now, I know I'm from southeastern Kentucky, and I don't know how to say mourning. It sounds like mourning, like in the morning here. But it's mourning. It's mourning. And it is what the psalmist is saying. Lord, you change my mourning into dancing. Which would you rather do today? Go around with your head down or your feet dancing? Which one? Well, I think I know which one I would want to do. Well, let me give you just a little background on this story as we enter into it. Sort of the time frame. The time frame is somewhere between Jesus' resurrection and his glorious ascension into heaven. That's coming up. And we also see that Peter had coaxed. You know, they were fishers. Uh, he had coaxed some of the guys to say, let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. And that's what they did. And after spending the entire night fishing, how many did they catch? Zero. Zip. Nada. That's a rough thing. That's, that's really humiliating for a, a good fisherman like these. These were professional fishers. They knew what they were doing. Uh, so they really needed some pick-me-up you might call it, kind of thing. And did they get it? Boy, were they about to get all the pick-me-up that they would need. And so what I want us to do now is look at uh, what we can catch. Um, there is a pun intended there, okay? What we can catch with the fish out of this story in order to be encouraged and inspired by the Lord of the dance. The Lord of the dance. The first thing is that Jesus is with us during times of difficult transition. Uh, Jesus was resurrected now. And the disciples, it wasn't a question of was Jesus a ghost? Was Jesus really there? They believed it now. They had full cause to believe that Jesus had been resurrected. But it was also a time of transition. Think about it this way. When we think about transition, 
John makes a point that since Easter morning, Jesus had only appeared to them twice. This is the third appearance of Jesus to his apostles. So, you know, they were used to three years of walking with Jesus, eating with Jesus, sleeping with Jesus. You know, everything was Jesus. He was their master, and they were, they were the disciples, and they were following him. Now all that's changed. Now it's a hit or miss kind of thing. It's sort of when Jesus wants to show up. So you could sort of imagine what it would be like. Wouldn't you, if you, if you love somebody like they love Jesus, wouldn't you miss the master? Man, I know I would. My gosh. I, think about it this way. Could you imagine not having Jesus today? Jesus says, well, I'm, I won't be here today. You're on your own. Well, no. I can't imagine that for just one second, let alone a day or an hour or a minute. You know, I'd be lost. That's, that's the way it is. See, the master, they missed the master. And, uh, but Jesus is about to change all that. And he's going to change it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, in Easter, the Holy Spirit is a very important topic. It's a big topic and a very important topic. And we, we find just earlier, I don't know how much earlier it was, but Jesus was encouraging his disciples about his departure. And he said, you know what, guys? This is going to be a whole lot better for you if I go to be with the Father because I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be watching over you. And I'm going to live within you. Holy Spirit's going to come and live within you. Meaning that it's not hit or miss, but Jesus is with us 24-7. I wouldn't have it any other way, would you? Man, I can't imagine one second in this life without Jesus. So when you go through challenging times, as we all do, when confusion, fear, doubt, and abandonment try to overwhelm you, remember what Jesus said. What did he say? He said, I am with you. I am for you. You're not alone. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Cast all your cares on me. Why? Because I care about you. How's that for life? Doesn't that sound pretty good? You know, I'd like to know this, though, as I thought about that. What's so special about you? that Jesus would say that about you. What's so special about you that the king of the universe would come to this earth and bleed and die for you? You know, you're pretty special. You, you know, you really are. So Jesus is with us during times of difficult transition. The second thing is that Jesus fills us with joy. I love that. Man, there's so much misery in the world today, and Jesus is constantly, consistently offering us joy. Could you use a little more joy in your life today? Well, the disciples, John tells us, they were about 100 yards or 300 feet off of the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And there's a man on the shore, and he cries out and he says, Children, cast out your nets on the other side of the boat. And when they do, the nets are immediately filled with fish, so many fish, that they can't pull the nets, they can't get the nets into the boat. There's that many fish. 
And what does John do? See, John was the beloved disciple. He, he really walked with Jesus. Uh, he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, it's the Lord. You know, it's the Lord. See, John remembered this wasn't the first time of the miraculous catch. Just two years before that, similar situation, same place, Sea of Galilee. Jesus gets in the boat with him and he says, cast your net after not catching a thing all night on the other side of the boat. And what happens? The fish jump into the net. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what happens. And they're filled with joy. And it's also the Sea of Galilee, this area was a very special place uh, because another little miracle took place at that, in that spot. And it was this. Uh, there was 5,000 plus people that had gathered to hear Jesus speak. And it was getting late and the disciples said, Lord, you need to send them away. We don't have any food. We don't have that much food to feed them or we would. And Jesus says, you feed them. Well, you've got to eat. He says, well, they went in between and said, Lord, we've got one little boy. He's got five rolls that look like little stones and two little sardines. What did Jesus say? That's more than enough. I don't need any more than that. That's plenty. And what does he do? After he blesses it, they start dipping in the baskets. And when it's over with and everybody's had their fill, there's baskets full of fish and bread. There was great joy that day. Oh, there was great joy. And there was joy in this situation as well. See, the Lord fills you with joy. You don't have to walk around like a zombie today. The Lord fills you with joy. See, he satisfies your deepest longings in life. What happened to Peter? He was so excited that when he heard it was the Lord, he doesn't wait to get to the shore. He doesn't wait to bring in the fish. What does he do? He jumps in the water and heads towards Jesus. I think that's beautiful. I mean, I really do. And what did we hear in the Acts story today? You know, the, the religious leaders, the ho-hum guys, they say, now don't you do this. We told you not to do this. Peter says, we don't obey men. We obey God. We're going to do what God tells us to do. And it says when they left that place, they were rejoicing. See, they were filled with joy for the privilege to be able to suffer for our Lord. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? Um, I really love Peter. He's a cool guy. He's a very, uh, when it comes to the Lord, he's very spontaneous. You know, jumping into the water like he did. And uh, I really like that about him. We need some more of that spontaneity in our walk with God. We need some more of that joy in our life. See, and so here's what I want you to do. In the next, in a couple moments when you come forward to receive Holy Communion, I want you to say what John said to Peter. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. See if it doesn't fill you with joy. Well, the third thing is that Jesus frees us from resentments and bitterness. Now, this was a tough one. This one gets a little closer to home. Um, see, here's what happened. After everybody gets on the shore, Jesus has something for them to eat. You know, here's some bread, here's some fish. He takes care of me, feeds them breakfast. They don't have to go to McDonald's, you know, and get, a, get an egg McMuffin. And after it's over with, he pulls Peter aside and he says, let's go talk. 
Let's go talk, Peter. And he asked him in the conversation three times. Now, three is a very important number. Three times he says, Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Um, see, there was some unfinished business between Jesus and Peter. Uh, we know just prior to that, a few days prior to that, Jesus told his disciples again that he was going to Jerusalem and what was going to happen. What did Peter say? Ah, oh, man, he stood up. He said, Lord, that ain't going to happen. And I'm going to go with you, and I'll even die for you if need be. You won't have to do it long. Well, after the third time, there's that three again, after the third time that Peter vehemently denies Jesus, we hear that cock crow, don't we? And then what Jesus said, before the cock crows, you know, when the cock will crow after three times after you've denied me. Uh, see, Peter, Peter was left with that. And um, if you ever get a chance, one of the great artists, Carl Block is his name, uh, he has some great portraits of Jesus. And he did a great job of this situation of where Jesus and Peter meet. See, the scriptures teach us. They tell us what happened as Jesus was leaving the court as they were, you know, drilling Jesus. And Peter was outside, and, and the people were pointing fingers and saying, you're one of those disciples. There was that moment where they looked at each other, Jesus and Peter, eyeball to eyeball. And Peter, when that cock crows, he realizes, man, this is it. Jesus knew exactly. And it says that Peter went away weeping bitterly. But yet Jesus is here to make everything right. Now, here's a very important point. Let's see if you've caught this before in listening to the gospel. Peter felt like, man, I really deserted Jesus. You know, Jesus, I've left him. I, Jesus is mad at me. Jesus won't speak to me anymore. What did Jesus do? Well, I love it. On the day of resurrection, when he tells the ladies to go tell the disciples that he's coming to see him, he says this. He says, tell my disciples... And Peter, I'm coming to meet him. You feel that restoration? Jesus, Peter didn't feel worthy. Man, he had denied the Lord. You know, he wasn't going to try to get around him because he, was, he knew he was in trouble. Uh, but Jesus is already reconciling himself to Peter. And Peter would just love Jesus so much that he, he really wanted to make things right with him. And uh, that's exactly what they do, this sense of reconciliation. Now, let me, let me fast forward to the future here because this is important. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, nothing, and I mean nothing, will sap the life out of you like harboring bitterness and anger against another person. Nothing. It's the death knell in the coffin on the soul when you hold on, when you're angry at somebody, when you won't forgive somebody, when you're bitter against them, what do you do? You ever seen that? You know, you sort of clench your fist. You sort of walk around with your, with your fist clenched all the time. That'll kill you. It'll kill you physically. It'll kill you emotionally. It'll kill you 
in every fortunate way, and in, in spiritually. What did Jesus do? Let it go. Let it go. What did it do to what did it do to Peter? Peter was restored. He was renewed, wasn't he? There's so much power in reconciliation. Church, don't hold on to angerness and bitterness. It's worthless. It'll kill you. It'll kill your soul. And it'll kill those around you. It just drains the life out of you. That's all it does. And anger's reached you know, epidemic proportions today. Why is that? Why is that? What you're called to do is not to clench the fist, but to seek reconciliation and be filled with life. The fourth and final thing is, we think about life, Jesus gives us the church. Oh, I love the church. It's got its warts, I know that. But I love the church. Why do I love the church so much? Why am I not down on the church? I love the church because Jesus instituted it. You know, Jesus is smart. And uh, if he instituted the church, then I'm fine with it. I think that's great. And here's a very important point, because what Jesus is going to do now, he's setting the stage where he's going to tell Peter three times to take care of the flock. See, Jesus was the, the main shepherd. He says, now, Peter, I want you to take care of the flock. I want you to feed the lambs, the little kids. I want you to feed the sheep, the older ones. I want you to do that. I want you to take care of them and tend to them. And what he's doing is, this is really important for a Catholic. What he's doing is he's getting ready to establish the church on earth in just a few days at the Feast of Pentecost, see. And that's what he's getting ready to do. He's making preparation for what's called the church militant. Did you know you're called the church militant? Do you know that? There's the church victorious. Where do you think that's at? Well, that's in heaven, isn't it? There's the church purgatory. Where do you think that is? Well, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? And then there's the church militant. Why are we, why are we militant, you know? Because we're still here trying to bring people to Jesus. That's why we're active. We're in the world, and that's why we're called the militant church and Jesus was going to bring that church to birth through the power of the Holy Spirit on the feast day of Pentecost but here he's establishing a key position in the church he's establishing the vicar of Christ on earth who is the vicar of Christ on earth you know the Pope isn't it the vicar of Christ on earth see, see what Jesus is doing there uh, these are foundational verses about the church because what Jesus is doing is he's establishing Peter and his successors as the visible head over the church here on earth. See, what Jesus is doing, he's looking out for you. That's why I love the church. Yeah, it's got warts. I know that. But I love the church. Why? Because Jesus instituted the church. And I trust Jesus. I don't trust people as much, but I do trust Jesus 100%. Um, you know, and here's something very interesting that goes along with that. I think it's really neat. There's no further record in the scriptures of Peter ever going to fish for fish. Never did. But there's a ton of records, especially in the Acts of the Apostles, where Peter would go and fish 
for souls. And then what he said in that, Jesus said in that first story, he said, Peter, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Isn't that what he said? Meaning a fisher of souls. And here's the exciting part about it. You're called to do it as well. Isn't that neat? What, what a privilege. You're called to be a fisher of souls. Can you think of anything more important than that? Well, no, there's nothing more important than that. But here is a good question. What souls have you caught lately, Fisher? What souls have you caught lately, Fisher? See, Jesus left all this up to us. He's given us everything to do it, but he's depending upon us now because he's in heaven. Well, a couple thoughts for reflection. This truly is a time of abundant life. Why don't you take an inventory today of all the good things that are taking place? There's tons of good things taking place in your life right now. It's amazing, isn't it, how we'll let a few, a handful of things, though, those things that aren't so good to get us down, and yet there's, there's tons of good things that are going on in our life. Take an inventory of all the good that God's doing in your life today. And the second thing is this. Is there somebody that you need to be reconciled to today? Don't kill your soul. Don't kill the soul of others, but consider what steps you can take in order to release yourself and others from the unnecessary burden of bitterness and anger. Happy Easter to you.